0: This, uh, well, it was just a joy studying this sermon text this week. It is, I I wanted to make about seven sermons out of it, um, but we just don't have the time for it, so there's going to be one. Um, I believe it's uh, a very applicable truth of the Bible for us in our society today, one that's, I think, has a lot for us, even me, to learn And so I'm going to read the text, and then I'm going to preach on this, and you'll you'll discover what I mean as we get into this. So this is the story of, this is the healing of Jesus in Mark chapter 7, beginning at verse 31. Then Jesus left the vicinity of Tyre and went through Sidon down to the Sea of Galilee and into the region of the Decapolis. There some people brought to him a man who was deaf and could hardly talk and they begged Jesus to place his hand on him. After he took him aside, away from the crowd, Jesus put his fingers into the man's ears. Then he spit and touched the man's tongue. He looked up to heaven and with a deep sigh said to him, "Ephetha," which means be opened. At this, the man's ears were opened. His tongue was loosened, and he began to speak plainly. Jesus commanded them not to tell anyone. But the more he did so, the more they kept talking about it. People were overwhelmed with amazement. He has done everything well, they said. He even makes the deaf hear and the mute speak. This is the word of God. Being healthy these days is complicated and confusing. Does cleansing really help or not? Are eggs good or are they bad? Does essential oil and the use of it, does it really cure cancer? Should you be keto or paleo? And what about the organic label? Is that just a slick marketing scam? And then there's this rule, I don't know, did your parents teach you this? Kids, do your parents say this? After you eat, you have to wait 30 minutes to swim, unless you're 50, and then it's nap because, you, well, never mind. Right? What, what's going on with all that? What, actually, some studies show that because people are so confused about what it means to be healthy, they don't make healthy choices because they're just paralyzed. It's, it's very confusing. So I want to add on top of that this, this question, which I believe is the most important question of all. What does the work of God have to do with our health care? Where in health care do we rely on God? Right? We're, we're Christian people, and so uh, we, this is part of the game. Let me tell you this, in Psalm 103, it says this, the Bible says, Praise the Lord, O my soul, who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases. So we just finished up a 12-week series on forgiveness, and, and, we, and we realized there's not a single sin of mine that God does not forgive. He forgives all your sins, the Bible says. Okay, 100% of my sins, God forgives. Then why do I still have allergies? Why do I have back pain and heartburn? Why does our friend Melissa go through this grueling treatment of chemo as she suffers through cancer? If God heals all our diseases. So is that really true, or is this just a slick marketing scam on the part of God? One of, the, uh, one of the health gurus that I've started following, uh, he has a bunch of ebooks and they're, they're all really good, and he has one e-book called The Nine Steps to Perfect Health. It's very good. I recommend it to you. Read it. I referred people to that, doc, that but that, think that title. Nine Steps, no problem. Four would be better, but I'll take nine. Nine Steps to... Perfect health. So if I, if I take the nine steps, it means I'll never get another blister. I'll never catch a cold. My cedar allergies will go away. I will not have sleep apnea. And I won't die. That's perfect, perfect health, isn't it? Now, do you think that if we approached him and said that, he would say, yeah, that's what I mean? No, uh, no. No. But there is no perfect health in our world. you know why? We live in a sinful world. Our world has been poisoned by the germs of sin, and it's everywhere. There is no perfect health care in this world. You can't go to to any doctor who can perfectly cure everything that's going on in your body, biologically and physiologically. He he cannot do it. There's no single doctor in the world who can ever do it perfectly there's no health regimen that's perfect. If you go organic or use essential oils or do yoga, you are not going to be perfectly healthy. Except one health care system and that's God's. God's health care is perfect because God is perfect. God perfectly engineered our bodies the way that he wants them to be. God, God gave you your Teeth and your trachea and your tonsils and your toes. His wisdom is perfect. His love is unconditional. And his word never fails. So when God makes us a promise like He forgive all forgive all your sins and and, and heal all your diseases, it's true. And when we look and we don't see it's true, it's not a problem on God's end. It's a problem, it's a problem on our end of understanding it, of seeing what, what God really means. So that's what we're going to do today. Hey, we're going to see as Jesus engages in this healing. You, did you notice when I read that that it's this healing on Jesus' part has a few more steps to it than normal? Normally, he might just say the word... He doesn't really snap his fingers, but it's more immediate when Jesus heals. This, he goes through this process, and so it's a good place to pause and say, what's, what's he doing that for, and what does that mean? And let me tell you this. I'm going to give the whole sermon away right now at the risk of you tuning out, but I think you'll be excited about the details. Here it is. When God uses the word, when the Bible uses the word healing for us, think in your minds, health Health care. God's health care. That's that's what we need to learn from this. And so um, let's look at it and look at at the miracle and let it teach us. Um, Have you ever played the practical joke with your friends? This is a fun one. So you have two or three friends with you. You're walking down the sidewalk and you've pre-planned to do this. You're like, okay, and we'll walk right past that corner of the building. We're going to do it. Okay, and then you walk past the corner of the building. And when you do, you all, you look up into the sky and a few of you point. And you just stand there, and then the people walking on the sidewalk that come near you, what do those people do? They all look up to find nothing. Ha, jokes on you. Ha ha ha. That's what Jesus did when when he encountered this this deaf man. He was a deaf mute. He couldn't he couldn't hear and he couldn't speak. Right? The Bible says it. That that Jesus looked up to heaven. Except he wasn't playing jokes and he had a real purpose for it. Um, I searched some of other, Jesus' other miracles. He did this with other miracles too. Listen to this. Taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, Jesus gave thanks and broke the loaves. Right? At, at the feeding of the 5,000, Jesus did the same thing. He looked up to heaven. Here he looks up to heaven, except then it says this He looks up to heaven with a deep sigh. Jesus, standing on earth, looks up to his Father. The looking up is Jesus is connecting heaven to what's going on on earth. He's connecting the spiritual to the physical. He's looking up to heaven and saying, There's, these are connected, God, except here it's a deep sigh. And this isn't a wimpy... Okay? This word means a deep, guttural, from, the, from, the, from your belly, from your heart, a groan. This would be how the football player sounds on the field when he tears his ACL. Oh! That's this, right? So this is a deep, heart-wrenching groan from Jesus like he's hurting, and he is. Listen to this verse from Romans chapter 8. We groan inwardly, as we wait eagerly for the redemption of our bodies. We, like Jesus, looked to heaven with a deep sigh and groaned. We do too. We know there's a connection between the spiritual and the physical. And we groan inwardly, the Bible says, as we wait for the redemption of our bodies. There's a problem with my body, God. And it's spiritually related. It's not just that I wish I had different hips or a smaller nose or, right? It's spiritually related. And Jesus knew this, and our souls, our souls know it too. Um, so there's this pain that we have, and the pain doesn't, ble- doesn't bleed. It doesn't need a Band-Aid. It isn't nauseating. We don't, we don't vomit because of it. We don't, ibuprofen won't help. And it's the pain of sin, and it's the hurt of our mortality. Those are not natural. God didn't create the world with those. But they entered the world through Adam's and Eve's choices, and now that, that infects us. And so we live with this pain, and our bodies are under it. And our bodies ache, and they age, and they die. And it's all a, a, something spiritual. It's connected. And so Jesus was feeling that connection. Jesus was groaning because he knew that because he was hurting with a deep compassion for the physical maladies of this man who couldn't hear and couldn't speak. And Jesus groaned and wanted the redemption of this man's body. And Jesus alone could cure it and make it happen. But it would take tremendous commitment and sacrifice. Like the commitment and sacrifice of a nation that goes to war. And there's little boys and girls who groan with a deep sigh because they lost their mommy fighting in the war. And there's moms and dads who groan with a deep sigh because they lost a son or daughter fighting in the war for their country. That's the pain. It's a compassionate, hurting pain that, that probably wouldn't say I would change things otherwise, but it, it hurts. Look at this verse from Matthew chapter 8. It says, Jesus, his painful compassion now that he's bearing for us in this, in for this man in this moment, Jesus drove out the spirits and healed all the sick. This was to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet Isaiah in chapter 53, He took up our infirmities and carried our diseases. The deep sigh, the groan that we hear from Jesus in this miraculous healing is echoed as another deep sigh as Jesus hangs on the cross and groans as he's dying. Father, forgive them. It's the same Jesus, the same Deep sigh the same groan. As he groans on the cross, my God, my God. And and then there's this verse, Mark 15, verse 32 says with a loud cry Jesus breathed his last. Jesus is looking up to heaven as much as he can on the cross. And he's groaning a deep sigh because he is carrying, he's bearing, right? Look at this verse in Matthew and in Isaiah 53. He's taking up your bad choices to eat or to drink too much or the wrong things. Your bad habits health-wise, that your doctor tells you you need to stop, and you stop for a day or an hour or not at all. Your burdened conscience that wants to be a healthier person and knows that you need to adjust your diet and your exercise, but you just don't have the time to do it, which means you don't think it's important. Or if you're a person who's on top of all that, You're so disciplined and so healthy and you've read The Nine Steps of Perfect Health and you get it and you do it. Then Jesus is groaning here to save you from your own self-pride and self-reliance that feels that you are so healthy that you feel superior to other people and that you don't really need God's help for healing in your life. This is Jesus groaning at the side of this man burdened with, with physical pain. Jesus on the cross burdened with yours. Carrying it to the cross and taking it there, and then the one who groans on the cross, back at the side of this man now, says, speaking into the ears of a man who cannot hear. Jesus says, "Ephatha." It's Aramaic. That's the language you spoke, and it means. They translate it for us. It means, "Be opened." Jesus speaks to something dead and says, you are alive. This is the very Jesus who later spoke to the grave and said, be opened, and it opened. The very Jesus who died for all of, the th- all of those, right? Our infirmities, our diseases, our sins, who died for them, he rose from the dead and he conquered them all. And he said, be opened, and they are opened. And something dead became alive. And you and I are alive today, living and breathing with physical breath, and spiritual breath because Jesus rose from the dead and conquered it all. Jesus reverses the effects of sin. Let me say this again. Only Jesus reverses the effects of sin. Physical effects? Yes. Especially in eternity in heaven. Spiritual effects? For sure. He took them to the cross, He died for them, and He rose, and the grave was opened. So, your hurt changes to hope. When you believe that Jesus reverses and cures sin's effects forever, that is God's perfect health care. All right, so that's the framework we need to have when when your back hurts, when you have sleep apnea, when you age, when your child is born with cystic fibrosis. This needs to be your framework. God's giving it to us. It's right there in the Bible, okay? Question. Well, if I were to ask you to think of some miraculous healings in the Bible besides this one, that would be cheating. It's right in front of us. What do you think of? Think of a, a miraculous healing in the Bible, and not the Peter one either in Acts chapter 3. We had that one that's cheating also, okay? Besides these two, think of miraculous healings in the Bible. I, I go to write to Jesus and think of his healings in the, throughout the Gospels. I think of the ten lepers Jesus healed. Um, these, aren't, these aren't the right ones. These are just what I'm thinking of right now. Um, I'm thinking of, the, uh, in the Old Testament, the prophet Elisha miraculous healings, raising from the dead. think of Lazarus, I mean, and the daughter of Jairus raised from the dead, right? Lots of, there's healings everywhere. Um, I want you to think of of four specifically that help teach us this framework of God's perfect health care, and you probably didn't think of at least three of these when I told you to think of healings in the Bible. Number one, Job. Job was inflicted with boils, and they healed him from his self righteousness. The Bible says that Job was the most righteous man of his time, which is true, but the problem was he knew it. And his boils helped him understand that. Jacob limped away from wrestling with God, and that limp was a disability he had for life, and it healed Jacob of his self reliance. I can trick anyone and manipulate anyone to do anything. I could sell air conditioners in the Arctic. Good for you, Jacob, but you're not God. And, and your limp is going to constantly remind you that God doesn't need you. You need him. So there's Job, there's Jacob. How about the Apostle Paul? Paul. Right? The New Testament says that Paul had a thorn in his flesh. You don't know what it was. It was some disability, some malady of some kind, a pain, an ulcer, something. But the Bible says there's this thorn in his flesh, so it caused him pain, and he knew it was there all the time, and he prayed and prayed and prayed for it to be taken away. Right? And the Bible says, Paul writes, he said, God didn't take it away so that I would not be conceited. So Paul's thorn in the flesh healed him of his his pride, of being conceited, of thinking, "Ah, I'm I'm the only Pharisee who really gets it, who is now believing in the true Jesus who's risen from the dead and looking down on others and thinking, I I wrote 13 books of the New Testament. I'm better. It it healed him of his pride. See that? See that? This is God's perfect health care. This is the framework that we need to look at when we think about physical healings, The fourth one I'm going to have us look at is Lazarus. I want us to understand this before we go there. Like Job, like Jacob, like Paul, the limp, the thorn in the flesh, the boils, if you have a disability or discomfort or a disease that is not taken away by God... He, Jesus uses that as his servant for your good. Jesus is the Lord of it. Even death here I'm talking about. Jesus uses it for your good. It's his servant. It's not his master and it's not yours. Okay. So let's look at, uh, let's look at Lazarus. Um, this is interesting because... Lazarus was a friend of Jesus. Mary and Martha, Lazarus's sisters, he he was sick and he was about to die. He was critically ill. This is a dangerous place for a person during that day and age to be. They were scared for his life. They sent word to Jesus because they knew Jesus was the healer. He had raised the dead before. Jesus could could do anything, and, and Jesus casually said, I'll get around to getting there, but not right now. I have things to do. It seemed careless and indifferent. But look at Jesus' words. He explains otherwise. And by the way, Lazarus died. While Jesus was waiting to go there to heal him, during that time, before Jesus got there, Lazarus died. Jesus says, This sickness is for God's glory, so that you may believe. don't blame god and make him the bad guy when healing in your life for you or for a loved one doesn't happen in your time and in your way jesus is saying this is is, is not my master i'm in charge here it's my servant and and i'm I'm working here. Why? What does it say? What does the verse say? So that what? What does he want from it? So that you may believe. Our physical maladies and pains and diseases in this world serve God by by helping us to believe. Don't, when you are there, when the tests and tests and more tests show nothing or are contradicting, and you have doctors arguing with each other about what it means, and you're caught in the middle. When you talk to your aging mom on the phone and, and she's complaining about her, her health and, and she's not finding answers, when, when a loved one is hospitalized and is supposed to be released and they're there another week, when, when, just, when the timing is all off, Don't give up faith in God's perfect health care. He hasn't lost control. He hasn't lost his care. This is for my glory, God says, and my glory is that you would believe, and he uses it all for our good, for our faith, for our belief. I have a list here of maladies I want to look at because I want to cover some of these with this understanding. If it's for God's glory, I don't have the right to rob God of his glory if he wants me to suffer from allergies again this ragweed season and cedar season. I, I don't have the right to rob God of his glory if I get the flu If I have plantar fasciitis, if I break a bone and it doesn't heal as quickly as I want, if I get migraines, God says, I'm taking that and it's my servant and I want it to to bring me glory. And I, I need to say, God, it's about you, not me. If that's what it takes, God, for me to glorify you, then bring the migraines on. The sickness is for God's glory, Jesus says. The autism, the ADHD, the bipolar disorder, the cancer, the dementia, the diabetes, all of it serves for God's glory. And the more you believe, which is the purpose of it all, the more you're on board with, with God's health care plan. And he'll heal. He'll heal. Definitely in your soul. Definitely, right? Like, like the kids learned, it builds character. Something's broken and God doesn't fix it, but in the meantime, it's building character. It's drawing you closer to him. It's curing you of your pride. That's what God is healing. And then sometimes, in some ways, with some people, oh, it's healed and it's gone and it's better. And when that happens... Thank your doctor, but praise God. Be grateful for therapy that you did for two hours a day for 18 years, but praise God. It's still his servant, and he uses it for your good. Uh, I want to go back to this healing and, co- and cover just a couple final things. Um, uh, one, one other thing I noticed for this healing is that the, the man's friends bring this man to Jesus and they actually give instructions to Jesus how to heal him. They're they like, tell, hey, kind of like you go to the doctor and say, you know, I got this cut in my finger and I think it needs stitches. Really? Are you an expert now? You, 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 know, you just Google WebMD and you know how to fix your finger? Uh, now, I'm all for, right, patient understanding and information, but Jesus, Jesus is the pro here, and these, these men say, you need to heal him by putting your hand on him. This is interesting. Um, here's what it says. Um, they begged Jesus to place his hand on him. It, Jesus didn't do what the, immediately, at least, what they wanted. It says, he took him aside, away from the crowd. Jesus had something in mind for this man, and it was going to come to him as a blessing in a private, one-on-one Intimate moment of just Jesus and this man. His buddies were great. Thank, bringing him to Jesus, they did the right thing, but it wasn't about them at this point. When Jesus wants you to come with him and wants some one-on-one time with you, get away from the crowd. Put your device down. Shut down social media. Get in the Word. And let Jesus speak to your soul. When he says, I want want to come now, and I want you to come away with me and just be alone, you and me, and, and spend time with him there in that private moment. And then what happens is that he personalizes his care for you like, like this man, right? He touched his ears and he made the spit and he's doing all this, all this. He doesn't have to do it that way. He could snap his fingers but he personalizes God's health care plan for this man and he's healed. That was part of the joy as is, is Jesus form-fitted his personal care for this man. It makes me wonder, Lord, how much of your personalized care for me personally am I missing because I'm not spending quiet, intimate time with you I'm not letting you take me away from the crowd. Go there. Spend your quiet time with Jesus a lot, more than you do now, in a deeper way, and and let him personally care for you like you did with this man. The question came from a weak, wrinkled woman through her belabored breathing, lying in a hospice bed. Pastor... Why can't God just take me? I love that question. It's not the only time I've heard that question. It was the first time. It's a question of deep faith. A question from someone who knows maybe more than we do as we observe them that God is bringing them home and a question that after a few days or a few weeks or a few months or a few years just starts to wonder what's it what's it all for if i'm here and i'm suffering and i can be with my lord in heaven and so she asked the question and i said esther i don't know exactly why but i can tell you this part of the answer is that this is not all about you i kind of caught her off guard a little bit she grimaced "well what do you mean" I said, Esther, all the doctors and the nurses that are coming in to care for you, they hear you talk about the blessings in your life more than how bad things are, more than a pity party, and it gives them a window into what God is really like. And, and your friends and family, they come to visit you, and, and when they do, they hear you pray. And you're... Esther, your grandchildren, when they come and, and they give you a hug, I, I hear that you whisper in their ear, everything's going to be okay. I'll see you in heaven. See that? How God can use our own pain and suffering to minister to others. And so don't be impatient with it. Again, God's health care plan is perfect. Use that framework and, and look at the work that God is doing in your life. I have come to appreciate... The work of medicine more lately, um, just aging and breaking my finger and trying to be healthy as I, I age another decade. And uh, I've really it's just the last year for me, I've I've been able to connect with with some wonderful physicians and healthcare professionals and even online gurus who all I just realized this the other day um, who all practice what is called, have you heard this term, functional medicine? It's new to me. Maybe it's not so new out there in the world. Functional medicine. And here's what they mean by functional medicine. Functional medicine looks at conventional doctors of medicine and says, uh, we're going to do something different. And conventional doctors of medicine, typically, not all of them, but typically deal with symptoms and then try to take care of symptoms, which is very simplistically, if you go to the doctor with a pain, he'll say, take an ibuprofen and call me next week. That's a very simplistic example of conventional medicine. Doctors wanting to treat physical maladies with drugs and maybe surgeries and therapy. Functional medicine says, look, let's look beneath the symptom to the underlying cause, and then our goal is to reverse the effects of that underlying cause, and when we do, the symptom is going to disappear and the cause is going to go away. I had it happen to me personally when I went in to a sports chiropractor with an arm pain, and he had me working on my core and my glutes. And I laughed, because those aren't connected. Oh, my arm pain is gone. And I did really no arm exercises. That's functional medicine. The root of the problem wasn't where the pain was, Okay. God is the ultimate functional doctor. Jesus is the ultimate functional doctor. And Jesus is the one who goes to the underlying causes of any physical malady, of our groaning, right? Of our connecting the spiritual with the physical. Jesus goes there and he reverses sin's effects. All of sin's effects. The physical effects, the spiritual effects. Jesus reverses them all. So Listen to him as your functional doctor. He will perform tests on you. He may need to poke and prod, but he's helping you see the underlying cause, which he knows, but he's helping you get there. He'll prescribe a a regimen and a therapy and a treatment and believe him when he says, I want you to do this and this and this. He'll root out the sin in your life, and he'll reverse its effects, and he'll restore you, like like rising from the dead. He'll restore you from that sin. You're restored already through your baptism, and he'll say, you can now practice this functioning medicine with me, and through it all, you give glory to God, and your friends see it, and they build this new framework that you have learned to believe, God's perfect health care. Amen. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, there's physical pains in our world that, that we don't bring on ourselves because of sin, that you don't use to curse us because you've forgiven us, but we suffer them nonetheless because sin's presence around us is like a poison. We heard today, Lord, that, that Jesus, you are the master of them all, and yet you allow them to inflict pain on us and suffering, and we now know why. Help us to believe that all of our sins are forgiven and our diseases are healed, that you are master of them all, and that when the discomfort or disability or disease remains, the pain is here, that you are using it for your glory and for our good. Give patience to us as we must endure, and remember all those we know and love who are suffering from sickness, from disease, from cancer, from some kind of recovery now. Lord, and and visit them with your mercy and help them see your framework of God's perfect health care and use us to help them see it, if that be your will. Thank you, Jesus, for the healing in our lives. Help us to appreciate it, to be healthy, and to glorify you. In your name we pray. Amen.